Let's, uh, let's turn to Philippians 4, 4 to 7. It'll be shown on your screen. Feel free to look it up as well. I'll read. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We pray, Lord, that you make it known to us today and that we are able to find hope in you. We love you, Father. Amen. Is it all right if we continue to worship together? You guys fine with just a little, little more music? So I brought my fun little guitar here. Uh, and we're going to sing a song about, about that piece that we just read about. Um, and so if you feel inclined or led uh, in this moment while we sing, we're going to sing together, not just me. Um, if you feel led to stand, to lift your hands, to, to sit, whatever it is, wh- whatever your soul leads you to express, feel free to do that in this moment. Let this moment be worship. Oh, uh-huh. 
wanting, find rest. Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone. No. few times in my life where I needed to repeat those words until I believed them. One of those times I actually remember quite vividly. I was at my old church in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Um, this was just about, I want to say, four years ago. Um, I just returned from a full day of interviews here at Forest Lake. And I was faced with one of the biggest decisions in my life. Do I stay in Illinois, where I had grown up my entire life? Most of my family lived there. Some of my closest friends live there, still live there. Um, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, you'll see pictures of them in a second here. Um, oh, there they are. She lived up there, uh, and she didn't know this, but in that moment, uh, I had already planned to propose to her uh, just about like a month after that, I think. So the decision was, do I stay here uh, where it's comfortable, where like things just make sense to me, um, or do I say goodbye? Do I say goodbye and accept this amazing call to the Forest Lake Church here in Apopka, Florida? I remember pacing up and down the aisles uh, of the church. Uh, I think I was there, I think it was a late Friday night. I may have had some extra setup to do, maybe setting up cables, or I don't remember what it was. Um, but there was a lot of pacing that went on. Pacing up and down the aisles, pacing across the stage and back, asking God, what, what is the right decision here? What do I need to do? What makes the most sense for me? And this went on for a while. 
the intensity grew and grew. Um, it's kind of strange because this is all happening while I was by myself. Um, but I actually, for the first time in my life, experienced wrestle, wrestling with God. It was weird. I'd never done that before. And it got so intense that I actually fell asleep in the church on the first row, I think for a couple of hours. I wake up and I check my phone and it's like two or three in the morning. And I'm like, oh man, I should probably, I should probably go home, maybe take another nap, uh, take a shower and get ready for services that are, that are gonna happen in the next couple hours. But in that moment, God reminded me with the words from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. So fast forward a little bit. Obviously, I'm here. We're here. Um, I think I was here a few months uh, when this had happened. I was actually, I was right here. This piano actually may have been moved over a little bit. Um, but this, this happened right after, a little after we, we got engaged. Um, as you can imagine, being engaged for a year that far apart, Chicago, Florida, um, that's not an easy thing to do. And there's a lot more details to that story that I'll maybe save for a lot, another time. Um, but man, that was, that was, that was heavy. And I, I was at a, I was just so, such a weird place and I, I wanted that peace again. So I sat here at the piano, um, just kind of playing, having my own like personal private um, worship moment um, with God. And then, to my surprise, it literally caught me off guard. You guys remember Pastor Jeff? Who remembers Pastor Jeff? Raise your hands. Wow, yeah, yeah. He, do you remember how awkward he is? You guys, so I'm, I'm here, I'm here playing, just like, you know, doing my... And here comes Jeff, he walks right in. And I think he, he came up with the excuse that uh, I think there was some construction going on, so he, like, he had to pass through here. Um, and so I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't know like, someone else was in the room. He's like, oh, no, don't stop. Like, I'll, I'll just listen to you. And I'm like, this is, this is definitely not ideal. For, this is not what I had envisioned for this like, sacred. I, I got to work early that morning. Like, I wanted to spend my, my time alone, just kind of me and God. And then here Jeff shows up. Um, just here to watch me. So strange. Uh, and so he's over there, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm playing this song, and then I finally, I start singing it, because the, the words were going through my head, but I needed, I needed to say it, because I needed to take it to the next level, because in that moment, I didn't believe it again. Um, so I was here, and when I, when I hit the last note of the song, um, tears just fell from my face. It was so intense. I had, to, I had to stuff my face in my shirt. And you can imagine, this, this moment just got way more awkward with, with Pastor Jeff. He's there, he's like, oh no, what's, what, what did I walk into here? So he comes up and like, he's, he's actually asking me what's wrong for like a good like five, 10 minutes. And like, I, I actually could not breathe uh, because, because I was crying. And so finally, um, I let him know what was going on. And like in that moment, I, I found that peace again. I was able to believe that again. Fast forward again um, to more recently. Uh, these words came into play in the creation, oh, pictures up already, of this, 
Um, this is my world. This is, this is my family. That's Vanya and Maven. Um, but many of you probably already knew that because you prayed for us. I remember the prayers. We didn't tell many people when we were trying to have a child. Um, that's not something that's easy to sh- share with just anybody. But I remember those prayers. We'd have nights of worship and people would surround us and pray specifically for that. Um, there'd be prayers during meetings. There'd be, I'd, I'd get phone calls and receive prayers over the phone. I remember prayers specifically that happened right here um, during a Wednesday night house of prayer. Now this was just about a month before um, we were expecting Maven to arrive. But I remember those prayers. And just a few days ago, um, I was able to bring Maven with me here to the office. Everyone's always excited when I have a baby with me. They just get to, they get to look at her and whatever. Um, but she was here and she got to see the room where all the quilts were made. So if you didn't know, all those quilts are prayed over and she's got one of those quilts. So she was able to see that. And just last year, this picture, uh, let's actually, let's go back to the previous one. This picture, specifically last year, was shown on these screens. And you all prayed for us. And just about nine hours later, this next picture was taken. So fun little fact uh, about this. Um, I'll spare you all like the fun details. I get a little riled up when I tell you the story because it was very exciting for me. Too exciting. Too, too exciting. Um, we had a, Vanya had to have an emergency C-section. There was a prolapse cord, and long story short, I actually missed the delivery moment. So sad. I was so upset, so disappointed. But when I walked into that operating room, man, I, I could not change that moment for the world. God had a plan. We just needed to be still. I'm learning so much being Maven's dad. Uh, And I think that's appropriate. Uh, Matthew 18, verse two and three, it won't be on the screen, but you can just listen. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think it's fair that I maybe learned something from Maven from time to time. Here is a picture of Maven from a few days ago. (laughs) So you can see here, um, that is a huge playpen. Like that's probably like king size mattress uh, space for her to do whatever she wants. And as you can see, there are a lot of toys there for her to play with. Um, Many of them were gifts, some of them hand-me-downs, but a lot of them also, like, Vanya just ends up buying. I I asked her, like, why do you keep buying her toys? She's not even asking for them, but, you know, here we are, all these toys. Um, But it's great. It's a safe space for her. um, There's like a little padded mat uh, under her, so if she falls, she'll be fine. Um, In fact, if I need to, like, go clean something in the house or do something with my hands, uh, and she needs to have her bottle, I can grab the bottle formula, give it to her, and like she'll just, she'll feed herself, just like this. And she'll sit there and she'll be content, just fine. 
you could say that I've given her everything, literally everything she needs in that king-size playpen. Things to play with, things to be distracted with, food. But sometimes that is not enough. Sometimes she ends up looking at me like this, (laughs) crying out to her daddy, just wanting to be carried. Sometimes I even try to explain to her uh, that she has everything that she needs, like she can understand me. I say things like, Maven, you have your bottle, you have all these toys, you, I just changed your diaper, you pooed and peed already, like there, there should be nothing else that you need, like why, why are you crying? None of this obviously works. Nothing will give her peace until she is in the arms of her father. A peace that she does not need to understand. A peace only her father can give her. And sure enough, when I pick her up, she stops crying, just like that. Children are capable of a trust that does not require an explanation. I don't have to explain to Maven how I'm going to take care of everything that she needs. When she is in the arms of her daddy, she knows that everything is going to be okay. Is it possible for us to view our Heavenly Father that way? Is it possible for us to trust our Heavenly Father that way, in the same way a baby trusts their parent? Do we believe that he can give us a peace we cannot understand? I grew up around a lot of family. Um, I had the privilege of growing up with all 17 of my first cousins. Uh, My mom is one of seven siblings, and all of them had kids, uh, and they decided to to all move and live in the suburbs of Chicago. So we got to, it was was great. Um, All Christmases, any holiday, birthdays, like we were all around each other, like every, every, every picture, just all of us there. We, we even, we took up like a big section of the church even. Um, of those uh, 18 cousins, um, that's including me, I was the second youngest. This is a picture of me and our youngest cousin, Kevin. Uh, We are about uh, a year apart in age. Here is a a picture of us uh, a little later in life. You can go to the next slide. (laughs) At my college graduation at Andrews University. Uh, You can see here, he's holding up a sign with my name on it so that people can find us so they can take pictures and whatever. But you see the super funny face he has on there, just ready to do his job. We were close. We were very close. This next one is pretty funny. Um, Who here has Facebook still? (laughs) I do too, it's fine. Facebook does this thing where um, they like auto-detect your face and then they try to auto-identify it. And um, if you look closely, you can see a list of names, uh, none of which are Kevin. Um, but they're actually, you can see my name there right at the top, and then some of the other names are some of my closest friends. Uh, it's funny that Facebook actually thinks we look pretty, pretty similar. That's how close we were. But I love this last picture. 
This is a picture of Kevin and I um, laughing almost the entire drive home uh, from Berrien Springs, Michigan to Hinsdale, Illinois. It's about an hour and a half, two hours, and we're actually doing something kind of illegal. I don't recommend this at all. Uh, if you look closely, again, um, you see in the middle there an iPod Classic. Do you guys remember what an iPod is? No, maybe? Some people? Well, the iPod Classic came right after the iPod Video, and so before the days of like grabbing your cell phone, here's mine, grabbing your cell phone, just opening YouTube or Netflix or something, and then keeping your kids occupied in the car, you actually had to somehow figure out how to download videos and throw it on this device. And so we were, this is actually kind of shameful, but we, the, ent- the entire trip back, we watched just like so many episodes of Family Guy. Horrible show, horrible show. Shouldn't watch it. But we were laughing our brains out the whole way back. Like you can see, I, I actually don't think I have my hands on the steering wheel. Um, I might be just trying to wipe the tears away from my eye because of all the laughing that we were doing. I miss those times. I, I miss those laughs. I miss my cousin. As a big family um, there in the Chicago suburbs, we experienced quite a few funerals uh, together, um, and all of them were difficult, as one would expect. I remember when uh, both of my grandpas passed away. I remember those funerals vividly. I remember uh, when my grandma passed away. I remember being in the hospital at her, at her deathbed, like singing hymns and reading scriptures as she was breathing her last breath. I remember those moments, and neither of those funerals were easy. Funerals are not. But I, because I grew up in the church uh, and had been to even more funerals than that, I grew accustomed to a lot of the same scriptures and songs that were shared at every funeral. I knew the beautiful truths. I knew that this was not the end. I knew that one day there would be no more death, no more sorrow, and no more pain. But I was not ready for this. March 14, 2013. Uh, I was living with my parents at the time, and I remember in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m. or something, my dad abruptly opening my door without knocking um, and uttered the words, Kevin is dead. Did not make sense to me. I did not, I didn't understand. So we got in the car and drove to Kevin's parents' house to begin grieving with them because that's what you do in those moments. And it was there that I found out that Kevin had taken his own life. You see, Kevin had been battling with a dark depression for a while. But things were getting better. He had plans. We had just talked on the phone a few days before about how he was excited to pursue a career in counseling so he could help other people with what he had been battling. This didn't make any sense to me. The pain of this loss was so intense 
that I lost sight of hope. I did not know what to think. I had so many questions and no answers. Bill Johnson, a pastor in Redding, California, shared the following in a sermon a few days after he lost his wife to cancer. I think this helps put into words what I was experiencing. But what about loss? That's the mystery we have the privilege of carrying. The level of revelation God gives you will always be equal to the measure of mystery you're willing to live with. And the inability to live with mystery is your resistance to childlikeness. It's childlikeness that actually gives us access to dimensions and realms of the kingdom that you can't get in any other way. There are certain things that he has hidden in the journey. For example, several years ago, I discovered something about in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And what I found was there are measures of his presence you can only find in the valley of the shadow of death. And we say we love presence, and we do. We're a people that gather to celebrate and honor who he is and thrive on just that presence of the Spirit of God, who is always with us. There's no greater treasure than him. Never will be. Heaven itself is him. And yet there are aspects of presence you can only find in the valley of the shadow of death. This death, this loss, was a mystery I could not and was not willing to live with. I desired answers. I wanted to understand this was the valley of the shadow of death. A few hours later that day, um, I had to wake up and, and head to work. Um, I worked at the, the Adventist Academy there uh, in Hinsdale for about a year um, after graduating. And uh, the news of Kevin's death had already started to spread. A woman named Cherie Jackson called me into her office. She saw the sadness just smothering me as I was walking down the hallway. And so she called me into her office to ask me how I was doing. She was the business manager at the school. When she asked me how I was doing, I told her that I did not know what to think. I told her that my mind was racing on the implications and thoughts around suicide. I did not expect the response she gave me. She said this, Justin, I'm actually fairly new to Adventism, and there is a lot I have yet to learn. But I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is more powerful than any depression or suicide or anything. Excuse me. She prayed for me. And then I walked out of her office without saying anything. And even though I didn't say anything, what she said changed my view of God in a way that I never experienced. She helped me realize his presence by reminding me of what he did. It actually wasn't until about a year or two ago that I was finally able to tell her 
the gravity of what she said to me that day. She had no idea. She was actually worried that she said the wrong thing because I didn't say anything when I left her office. But this forever brought on more powerful meaning to songs and words about what Christ did. I can barely hold myself together when singing about Christ's sacrifice and victory. We're going to sing about this in, in just a minute. Or you guys might. I might not be able to. Um, but if you don't mind, um, I'd like to read uh, just the following passages as an act of worship. Um, you don't have to look it up on your phone. Um, I'll read it for you. Actually, feel free to close your eyes in this moment. Read from Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Go on to the next chapter, Matthew 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. In Isaiah 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus went there. Jesus went to the darkest, most depressing, most lonely place. Jesus went to the valley of the shadow. To the valley of the shadow of death. But on the third day he rose. Matthew 28 reads, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, the, to look at the tomb. There's a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. 
but he is not here. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. You see, Jesus went there. Jesus went to every dark place we have been to or will ever go to. Jesus went to the valley of the shadow of death. But as we read, he rose. And we will too. And he will take us home. I'll finish here with a few more words from Pastor Bill Johnson. And then we'll sing together. There will be no pain in heaven. We will worship for all of eternity. But we will never have the chance ever again to do it with pain. That's only this life. I want to give him the most priceless gift I can give him, and that is joy and loss. That is celebration in pain. That is giving up my right to understand. We read earlier that he gives this peace that passes understanding, which means I have to give up my right to understand to enjoy the peace that he has purposed for me. God's promise is peace. Let us receive his peace and put our hope in him today. Let's stand as we sing together.
Christ, my living hope. Oh God, you are my living hope. Hallelujah to Jesus Christ. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Amen.